The Bible is separated into the Old and New Testaments. We read accounts of diverse people in various times. We find poetry, historical texts, and personal letters, but all of it points to Jesus. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. The Bible is separated. Thank you, Pastor. Ben, he's, I was back there at the back telling him something. He goes, yeah, you got seven seconds. You got seven seconds. So uh, I'm out of breath. You know, there are moments in life when heaven touches earth in a miraculous way. I love this song we used to sing, uh, uh, How He Loves. It says, when heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss. There's something that's, uh, that, that just shows the connection between God and us in that moment. It can happen in the middle of a church service. It happens when we're driving down the street. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but songs on the radio, and all of a sudden you feel the presence of the Lord and uh, come into that car, that vehicle with you. Maybe you've had to pull over on the side of the road until you can collect yourself. Uh, it happens sometimes when we're opening up the Holy Bible and we're reading it, and it comes alive in our heart, in our spirit, kind of penetrates us like a double-edged sword as, a, as Hebrews declares. It happens when we're crying out to God about a situation in our life and maybe about something that's going on, circumstances. See, these are the moments in life when God shows up at the scene. We need him at the scene of an accident. We need him at the scene of our confusion. We need him at the scene of a crossroads that maybe we're facing. We need him at the scene of our grief. We need him at the scene of our heartache. And we need him at the scene of our despair. In John chapter 5, the Jewish leaders were harassing Jesus. And he responds. And in the midst of his response, he gives this interesting nugget, if you will, about the scripture. He says in verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures, they point to me. The Bible, it's our guidebook for living. The entire Bible points to Jesus. The Old Testament, it foretells of his coming, his virgin birth, his sinless life, his sacrificial death. And when we read the Old Testament, it's easy to see Jesus as a future character and not a part of the present day. However, we know that the scripture, from the scripture that Jesus was there in the beginning, in John chapter 1 verse 1, it says, in the beginning the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God and he existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So when we hear that scripture, we're thinking, what's the word? What's the light? What's all of this stuff? Verse 14 of that same chapter declares that Jesus is the word made flesh. He's the word of God that existed in the beginning. He is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word, and the word was God, right? In the very beginning, and now he's the word that's been made flesh in the New Testament. But throughout the scriptures... 
we see where Jesus is on the scene. So how do you, how do you know that, Pastor? He was active before. Since the beginning of creation, he's, he's been active. Bible scholars use a term for when God shows up on the scene. It's called a theophany. I hope, I hope you get that this morning. It's a theophany. It's a, it means that when God uh, just is there, he's on the scene. If I, if I could just use some, some basic terms for you today. But we also know that when uh, we see that in Scripture, you know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about uh, the, the, one of my favorite stories in the Bible where God uh, shows up when Moses says, would you show me your glory? And he hides him in the cleft of the rock and he passes by. He says, you can't see my face, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just put my hand over because nobody can see my face, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come through and I'm going to pass by. And, and, he, and, he, and he sees him. That's a theophany. Throughout scripture, though, some Bible scholars believe, and many, many Bible scholars believe that Jesus shows up at the scene. And those are called Christophanies, that Christ appears. It's a manifestation of Jesus. In the Old Testament, there are several times when Bible scholars believe that Jesus actually showed up at the scene. He actually showed up, and today we're beginning a new series. And what we're going to do is we're going to investigate these scenes, if you will. Now, let me give you a little disclaimer this morning, all right? If you've been at Hope for a while, you may think, I've heard this before. I've never preached a series like this before, but you may, you, there may be a story that we use throughout this series that you're like, well, pastor, you preached on that, ser- on that story before. Well, I'm going to tell you that you can look at a story and you can see it two or three different ways many times. And so, yeah, after, you know, sometimes I have, I've preached a story and then, I, you know, a few years later, I've preached the same story and the points are just a little bit different. But, you know, if, if a sermon's good, you should be able to hear it again, right? Amen? Some of you watch that Brady Brunch rerun or that Full House rerun or that Everybody Loves Raymond rerun a hundred different million times, right? You know, if it's good, you should be able to watch it or see it again, right? So this is not one of those times, though. There are some stories that I have preached before throughout the series. In fact, today's story is a story that we utilized in a series back in 2020 called Into the Unknown. It was right as the time of COVID, we were searching, we were looking at Abraham and how Abraham went into this journey into the unknown and principles that we could learn from it. And, and so this, this story today is one of those moments. So I want to challenge you today, don't, don't turn me off because you think I, I've heard this before. Don't tune me out, don't zone out because this is fresh today, all right? S- similar story, same story, fresh message, all right? Genesis chapter 18. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak tree, oak grove, belonging to Mamre. And one day Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hardest part of the day. He looked up and he noticed three men that were standing nearby. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them. He welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he says, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Now, what was Abraham doing? He was practicing biblical hospitality, and that's what we talked about during that message when I spoke this on Into the Unknown. But I want you to see something else throughout this, this, this story today. Abraham invites them in. 
He, they rest in the shade. He washes their feet. He even offers to prepare the food for them, and they agree. So Abraham gets up. He gets he has his wife Sarah help him. She breaks some bread. He goes out to the herd. He gets a calf, and he has a servant prepare, for, prepare it, and he serves the guest. And as they're eating, here's what happened. Verse 9. Where is Sarah, your wife, the visitors ask. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent, and Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. And Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? So then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. If you'll notice in verse 13, it refers to the man that was speaking as the Lord. Capitalized, L, Lord. Scholars believe that this is the point, this points to Jesus being at the scene. The key point of this passage is the question, and I want you to see it today, is anything too hard for the Lord? Capital L. Is anything too hard for Jesus? Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a question the Lord asked Abraham, and it's also a question that God asks us when he shows up at the scene of our life. There's several lessons that we can learn from this today. If you've got your bulletin, you can pull it out today, and then message notes are in there. If you want to follow along with me on, online, you can go to connectedhope.com and click on that Bible app. But I want you to look at this today. The first lesson is this, is that God uses our problems for his purpose. I didn't say God causes our problems. Sometimes we cause our problems. Sometimes we, we mess up and we make mistakes. And Sarah, it was her mistake. She laughed, but, you know, God uses our problems for his purpose. He says, I'm going to return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now, what's the problem? I, I want you to know every baby is a miracle. In fact, we're, we're blessed here at Hope with several babies and even ones that uh, are about to arrive soon, really soon. That's why we didn't have a drummer this morning, okay? We got one that's trying to get, be set free, you know, freedom. You know, William Wallace, freedom! You know, I mean, it's happening today, hopefully today. You know, we're, we're praying, believing, smooth transition, all of that. Each baby is a miracle. Each child is a miracle. Now, let me tell you something about the mothers and fathers of these children here at Hope. Not one mom that's having a baby in the last year is 90 years or older. Not one dad is 100 years or older. Now, I'm not going to tell you how old they are because you're not supposed to tell women's age and all that kind of stuff, and, and, and I, I want to stand in the good graces. I'm just telling you, they're not 90. They're not 100. Can you imagine being 90 years old, never had a child, and had 
prophetic words spoken over you that you're, and over your husband that he's going to be the father of many nations, but you've never been able to have a child and you're 90 years old and you can't have a baby. That's, that's Sarah's life, a life of infertility. It was the greatest problem, really, that she faced in life. And so God took her problem and used it for his purpose. The purpose was to show how miraculous of a child that Isaac would be. The purpose was so that God would receive the glory for this miracle. Every child is a miracle. And I don't want you to misunderstand me this morning. Every child is a miracle. However, those parents that have struggled with infertility know how much of a child of a miracle that child really is. For Abraham and Sarah, that was their situation. They had struggled with infertility. It was going to take a miracle for them to have a baby, and God would receive the glory when it happened. See, in John chapter 9, Jesus was asked why this man had been born blind, and he, and he responded this way. He says it wasn't because of the sins of his parents. He said this happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. This happened so that the power of God could be seen. See, your miracle is an opportunity for your, your, your problem, your mess is an opportunity for a miracle. Your problem is an opportunity for his purpose. God can use that to receive glory. So whatever you're walking through this morning, if you're deep, dark, and depression, and excessive misery, gloom, despair, and agony on me, if that's your life right now, guess what? It's an opportunity for God to put the joy of the Lord in your heart and to use you to be an example to other people around you. If your finances are such a mess and that tax day's coming on Tuesday and you don't know how you're going to pay it, let me tell you that that's an opportunity for God to do a miracle in your life. If the can't see word cancer has been spoken over you, let me tell you, I believe the report of the Lord and his report says I am healed. His, our mess is his opportunity for a miracle. Woo, that's good preaching this morning. Come on, somebody. The next time we're walking through a trying time, how about we just trust God and say, God, however you want to use this, I'm open. God, let my mess be your miracle. Let, let my problem be for your purpose. Today, second thing this morning, are you still with me? Say amen. amen. Our faith, our faith should be bigger than our doubt. Our faith should be bigger than our doubt. Now, Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. It's what verse 11 says. And Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? You know, as we look at this story, we, we see Sarah, she's looking at her circumstances instead of trusting in God. Jesus is at the scene. The Lord is at the scene. I would imagine there was some sort of feeling that Abraham had to know. I mean, think about this. I'm sure he got guests on occasion that would come through through wherever he was staying at. He had to know that there was something different about these guests. There was something different about them. And she had to sense that same thing. And so she's looking at her circumstances instead of trusting God. Her laugh wasn't a laugh of faith. Like, okay, Lord, if that's what you want to do. <laughs> okay, it was a laugh of doubt. <laughs> How's that going to happen to a worn old woman like me? 
Well, my husband is also so old. She saw the obvious. She saw the wrinkles. She saw the, the pain in her knee, the eyesight going. She can't hear as well as she used to. She understood where she was at, the reality of her life. She saw her husband. He didn't look like he did when she met him. He had a dad bod now. He had that furniture disease. His chest unfell into his drawers. He was old. He is past the age of trial bearing. It seemed daffled that this could happen. So what happens? They laugh. There are things that don't take much faith. But when we do them, they actually require faith. So what are you talking about? Well, when we said, when Pastor Ben said, hey, you may be seated this morning, how many of you trusted that that chair was going to hold you up? All of you, because you, you sat down. I didn't see one of you going, no, some of you just plopped right down. Like, I mean, it's like, hey, it's there. Why? Because you've sat in the chair before. In fact, some of you have sat in the same chair before, every Sunday. And when you move, it confuses me. So stay, stay where you're at. <laughs> Unless a guest comes in, then give them your chair. But other than that, I like, to, I, like to, I like the consistency, just as much as you do. In fact, you had a measure of faith this morning to believe that that chair was going to catch you then there are things in life that absolutely take faith. Have you ever done what they call a trust fall? And maybe your company is taking you on some kind of retreat or things like that. You know what I'm talking about. In fact, I think we have a picture, uh, or do we have a picture on the screen? Yeah, there we go. We got a picture. You see, you're like up on some sort of platform, and then you fall into the arms of someone, uh, you know, below. And so people use trust falls as a way to build trust within a group of people. We're not doing that this morning, okay? Um, you know, um, I, I'm just telling you. I got, I got trust issues there. But the first time I did one, I was interning at a local church. And we took the youth group to a ropes course, similar to what you see on the screen. And part of, the, of that experience was doing a trust fall. Now, I firmly believe that our feet should be planted on solid ground, if you know what I mean. If God wanted me to be in high places, he would have created me with some wings, all right? And so I, I, like, I like to be on firm, solid foundation. So the idea of standing on a stump or a platform four feet off the ground and looking straight ahead and falling into the arms of some junior high kids is not on the top of my bucket list, all right? It's just not there. It doesn't give me great confidence. So but I'm the intern, the youth pastor's looking at me like, listen, buddy, I'm paying you $75 a month. You have to do this, okay? And uh, yes, that, that, was my, that was my pay uh, for, for doing that, you know, uh, built some character in my life there. So anyway, I, I stood up on the box and I, I did the nest tee plunge back into the arms of some junior hires and guess what? A miracle happened. They didn't drop me. Now, it got dicey there for a few minutes, and I got on the ground pretty quick after that, but uh, I, I, was, I was just a little bit nervous to, to see that happen that day. How many of you are willing, though, to fall into the arms of God? 
How many of you are willing to do whatever he wants to do with your life? When he reveals the next step, we need to take it. When he says go, we should go. When he says text that person, we should reach out. See, it's called faith. And Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things that we can't see. See, Sarah laughed in that moment. But as we see later in, in Hebrews 11, she allowed her faith to be bigger than her doubt. See, in verse 11, it says, it was what? By faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. Now, I want you to see this next line because it shows the faith of Sarah. It says, she believed, she believed that God would keep his promise. She believed that. So what she did was she said, listen, I'm laughing about this because I doubt that it could happen, but God, I believe. God, I believe. You said it this time next year, I'm going to hold a baby. And guess what happened? She had the child of promise named Isaac, and there was something miraculous that happened in that moment when her faith was bigger than her doubt. So this points me to the whole crux of what I want to share with you today is this, is that, write this down, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. Now, now we could easily, we could have easily this, we could have easily this morning chose any word to fill in the blank today. And if you're watching online, don't have the blank there, nothing was the blank. That's the word that we're filling in today. We could have chose any word we could have chose nothing is too blank for God nothing is too hard for blank but I want you to get this this morning nothing some of us write other words in there some of us write illness is too hard for God my children who are away from God is too hard for God my financial burden is too hard for God my spouse that is away from God is too hard for God. My circumstance is too hard for God. My disease is too hard for God. My boss is too hard for God. We, we go through this over and over, and, and, and we, we put a limit on God when we fill that blank with something other than nothing. Look at verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return this time next year and Sarah will have a son. See, I, I love the question the Lord asked. He says, is anything, is anything too hard for God? Now, this is, not a, this is not a question that he's expecting an answer from Sarah. Yeah, you know, I'm a 90-year-old woman, and I'm, I'm sitting here, and I'm trying to, you know, I don't have a baby. You know, that, I'm past the age of trying, but that's too hard for God. What he's saying is kind of rhetorical. Hey, listen, is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for me? Like, I'm going to return this time next year, and you're going to have a son. Nothing is too hard for God. After Jesus told his disciples that it was hard for a rich person to get into heaven because he gave them this problem. He said, listen, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. 
but with God, everything is possible. Everything. Everything. I want you to let that sink in this morning because sometimes we treat God like things are impossible with him. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. But with God. I love that. But with God, everything is possible. The next time you think your situation is too hard, just say that out loud. But with God, everything is possible. Oh, this was what the doctor said. But with God, this is everything is possible. This is what my bank account says. But with God, everything is possible. This is the conflict that I'm having at home, or this is the conflict I'm having at work. This is the conflict I'm having in school. But with God, everything is possible. This is the circumstance. This is the mountain that I face. But with God, everything is possible. Wayne Cordero, he has the privilege of pastoring in Hawaii. You know, uh, I, I'm sure that's a wonderful uh, place to be. And, and, uh, he, and, and so he pastors a church over there. And he's written an amazing book called The Divine Mentor. In fact, uh, I've read it several times. And the overarching theme, I'm going to just give you the theme. Hope, hope you don't feel like this is a spoiler for you. But if you want to pick up the book, here's the overarching theme of the book. Is that the Bible has mentors that we need to listen to. Think about this. How many of you got a mentor, somebody that you call, maybe it's a mom or a dad, maybe it's, a, it's a, a pastor or maybe it's a leader or maybe it's someone that you call when you need advice, when, you, when you're going through a hard time, that, that's your person. That's, that's the person you call. You call that person, you call on them. What he says is, listen, the Bible has mentors that we need to listen to. People that can speak into our life, and we can learn for others. So let me build your faith this morning. We, I want you to listen to the mentor, Job. Job said this in Job 42. Two. Now think about what Job had gone through. He had lost his kids. He would lost his livelihood. He's sitting there broken, broken down. His, he, he said this word, and this is in the scripture, so don't judge me for saying it this morning. He said, my breath is repulsive to my wife. Every man in this room can say that every morning when they wake up. They can claim that scripture from Job. My breath is repulsive to my wife. Hallelujah. Uh, I mean, and, and, and his wife said to him, why don't you just curse God and die? He's got boils. He's all this. He's got these friends. And then he says this in Job 42. He says, I know that you can do anything and no one else can stop you. No one can stop you. I know that you can do anything. Now I want you to listen to the words of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet in Jeremiah 32, 17. He says, oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Next time you think something's too hard for God, step out and look at creation. Realize that you're on the third rock from the sun traveling throughout a galaxy uh, that, that just keeps, as, as scientists believe, they, that just keeps expanding because when he, in the beginning, when he, said, when he began and spoke the world in, in existence, it just kept creating. It's still creating today. There is something powerful that happens when God speaks. And when God shows up at the scene of your life, let me tell you, nothing is too hard for him. 
Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Listen, you don't even know the questions to ask God. You don't even know the prayers to ask for. You don't even know how to cry out. You can't even imagine what God wants to do in your life. Why don't you just submit to him today? Say, God, I don't know whatever you want to do, but with God, I believe that all things are possible. All things are possible. My circumstance is not too big for you. My faith is bigger than my doubt. And so I believe that you can do whatever you want in this situation. I speak this over my life today. See, I'm convinced we settle for less than God's best when we don't put our faith fully in him. The next time your faith with a problem, the next time you're faced with a circumstance, ask yourself, is anything too hard for the Lord? Will you stand with me today? Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you, God. The cry of our heart today cry of our heart today is have your way in me. With your heads bowed and eyes closed today. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's Genesis 1-1, John 1-1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was there at creation as John 1, 1 through 5 tells us he was at creation he was, it was created through him he was there but God looked upon creation and realized they needed something different they needed a savior why? because Romans 3 12, 23 tells us we've all sinned I've sinned, you've sinned, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of our sin is death. That's eternity in hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Father loves you so much. We sang about it earlier, the reckless love of God. We think it's reckless, but he didn't. Because John 3.16 tells us God so loved the world. I want you to think that because sometimes we think God loves the world, the planet. No, it's the people that make up the planet. So we could take out the world this morning and say, for God so loved Rusty that he gave his one and only son, that if Rusty would believe in him, he would not perish but have everlasting life. he suffered and died, he did that for you. You may not feel that you're worthy, but let me tell you, God did that for you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you because he loved you so much. So in a moment, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to receive salvation. If you're watching online today, 
and you want to pray a prayer with us as well and believe, then, then I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. Send us an email at prayer at hopefamily.tv or, or put it in the comment section there, either YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're watching from today. If you're in the room this morning, when I say three, I want you to raise your hand. Some of you, 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 need, you need to make that step. You need to make that fresh commitment. You need to rededicate yourself to the Lord today. God loves you, my friend. We're going to pray a prayer together here in just a moment. We're going to believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Scripture teaches us if we'll do that, we'll be saved. So I'm going to ask you to take your first step of faith today by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, when I say three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Yes, yes. Anybody else today, just say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Anybody else today in this room? Come on, would you all pray this prayer with me today? Would you say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died, rose again, and you're the Lord of all. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free from my sin today. In your name I pray, amen. Amen, come on, would you just put your hands together today? Give God praise. Now, there's a second thing I want to say to you today. Now, you look at your watch and say, man, Pastor, you're getting this out early today. No, this is on purpose because I, I just have this feeling. I've asked myself this question over, over the last few years. Is when did we cease to believe for the supernatural? Now, now, now I'm, I'm not talking about pigeonhole us into a, to some sort of stereotype because I believe that God moves in all sorts of, uh, 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 in our differences. You know, God, God moves in churches where, where, they, where they sing certain songs and he moves to churches where they sing contemporary songs. I'm talking about believing for the supernatural. We're a spirit-empowered church. I believe in divine healing. I believe that people can be saved, set free, delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that they can walk in faith and not doubt. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I was reading this several years ago, and some of you have heard me talk about this scripture, but I, this was on my heart earlier today. As, we, as, as I, In my message, I couldn't get it out of my mind. You know, I'm trying to preach the message, and the scripture keeps coming. It says in Psalms that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. It doesn't say that the fool says there's no God. It says the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So how do we say in our heart, there's no God? We say in our heart, there's no God when we don't act on what we say we believe. We say there's no God when we say, well, you know, I, I'm going to let my doubt be bigger than my faith. I'm not going to respond to this altar. I'm not coming to get prayer today because I don't want them to think, you know, pastor says something about emotional things and I don't want people to think I'm all emotional or whatever today. So I'm not going to come. I'm not going to come down because I don't want them to judge me. Listen, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're a family. We're a family. Hope family. Fellow. We're a family of believers. And I, I want you to know today that I don't care what your need is. We're not judging you. We're loving you. We want you to run to the Father and fall into his arms of grace today. I believe that you can be healed today. I believe you can, whatever your need is, whatever your, whatever your empty womb is today, if you will, 
God can do something in you. And as we were praying this morning in our prayer time, I was drawn to Revelation where he says, look, I, I stand at the door and knock. And if anybody would open the door, I'm going to come in and I'm going to eat with him. And, and, and we're, going to, we're going to eat as friends, I think is the way the New Living Translation says it. But I want you to understand something. Jesus, the, the, I want you to get this word picture today. Just imagine the, that where Joey's standing is the door. Okay? I'm on this side as, as his under-shepherd, and I'm knocking. I'm about to give an altar call and say, if you, have, if you need a miracle in your life, if you, got, if you need prayer for anything, I don't care if it's small. I don't think, if you think, well, I'm not going to bother God with that. No. He's standing at the door knocking. He wants to come in and he wants to meet with you. And then I was drawn to Psalm 23 where it says he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God has something in store for you. But you miss out when you don't open the door. You miss out on the miracle. You're on the verge of a miracle right now. I'm going to tell you, I'm believing for this morning. I, there's nothing special about me. I'm just a preacher. I'm just a follower of Jesus like you. But I'm a guy that's crazy enough to pray a prayer of faith. And if I don't know how to pray, I'm going to say, God, turn this mess into a miracle. God, use this problem for your purpose. God, I'm praying for divine healing in your name of Jesus. And your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to speak scripture over your life. But I'm going, to be, I'm going to stand in faith and believe the supernatural this morning. So Tish sang a song this morning. I will make room for you to do what you want to. God, I will make room. I will, I will, what does that making room look like for you? Today it means when I, in a moment when I ask you, you're going to walk down. You're going to open up this figurative door here. You don't have to do that, but I'm just telling you, he, he's standing here knocking. You come down, open the door hang out with Jesus for a little bit and see what he, what he does in your life today. Amen. If you're online today, we're not missing out on you. Pastor, Pastor Ben's got the door. It's called, a, it's, it's called a comment section. And if you will just put your need in the comment section today, he's going to pray a prayer with you, a faith with you today. He's going to believe for the supernatural in your life today. So with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, say, Pastor, that's me. I, I, need to not, I need to open the door. I need God to do a miracle in my life. I need God to do a miracle in my circumstance. You were talking to me this morning. If that's you, I want you to shoot your hand up right now. If that's you, yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? I need God to do a miracle in my circumstance. Come on. I think there's a few more. Yes. Somebody else today. There's somebody on my right to, to your left. There's somebody over here. You need a miracle in your life. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're going through, the pain, but you need to slip up your hand right now. You've given up on God, and God said, don't give up on me. Trust and not doubt today. If that's you, raise your hand right now. God wants to do it in your life this morning. Come on. Anybody else? Somebody else today that God wants to do a miracle in you. Then as Tisha sings, will you come open the door? Will you come and meet with God today? And would you allow me to pray a prayer of faith with you this morning? Come on, come as she begins to as she begins to sing this morning. Make room for Jesus today.
here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Some of you this week, God's going to knock on the door of your life. You need to open up. You're going to feel that, that instruction. You're going to feel that surge of faith, if you will, to believe for something. teachers in this room, you got strongholds in your classrooms. When you open up that door tomorrow, I want you to pray, God, nothing is impossible for you. Little Johnny, little Susie, little Rusty, whatever their name is, come on somebody. I want you to speak life over them tomorrow. Some of you in this room got a co-worker that's if you would say they're one of the top five jerks you've ever met in your life and they're nothing but a thorn in your flesh tomorrow Jesus is knocking on the door open it up and let him in some of you got circumstances and situations you're going to be faced with this week here I am <laughs> I stand at the door and knock open up let me in. God's just waiting for us to open up. He's waiting for us to open up. To turn our mess into a miracle. To use our problems for his purpose. And he's going to use us as the conduit to work through. Amen. Father, I thank you today for your church. Thank you for the opportunity to lead this group of people. I pray today that you would bless them and keep them, that you would make your face shine down upon them and be gracious to them, and that you would give them peace. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said,